Welcome to the first episode of Walking Through Fire. I'm your host, Brian Hoops. The topic I'm going to be discussing today garners the same paranoia one would get after a 12-hour coke binge. There was a time period in the early 1900s, most particularly during the interwar period, that is between the end of the First World War and the beginning of the Second World War, where the United States had prepped battle plans to go to war and attack, well, basically everyone on the planet. While some of these plans died in the conceptual phase, we will later focus on the most historically noted plan, which is codenamed War Plan Red, or the United States Invasion of Canada. While this may sound insane, it isn't completely unreasonable as to why American generals and politicians prepared for this scenario, and we'll get into that here next. So before getting into the background of the topic we're going to be discussing today, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to be kind of glossing over. When I say glossing over, I just mean I'm not going to be going so in-depth on a lot of the things that set the stage for what we're going to be discussing today. I could go more, but these are just kind of broad overviews that I want people to consider when we delve into the actual main topic, which is War Plan Red. So I just want everyone to understand that before we go into this. This story begins with a set of war plans that were drafted as far back as the turn of the century, around the late 1800s slash early 1900s. This topic revolves mostly around the United States, which at the time was still in its infancy. The country was expanding westward, and the U.S. was able to accomplish something almost unheard of at the time. In 1898, the United States faced the Spanish Empire in what is now known as the Spanish-American War, and us Americans hand the L to the Spanish. After being dealt this blow, Spain not only loses colonies such as the Philippines, Guam, Cuba, and others to the United States, but the Spanish Empire is considered a dying empire at this time. Of course, years later... In the pre-World War II years, we'll see Spain forego a civil war, which if you've never read about the Spanish Civil War, I will say this, it is the most hipster of civil wars right next to the Easter Rising in Northern Ireland, as well as the troubles that follow the uh, Easter Rising in North Ireland and the subsequent Irish Revolution. Uh, but I digress from that, and I definitely will at some point do a future episode on both of those. We got to think that during this time is also the peak of the Industrial Revolution on an international stage. And the United States is scaling their economy and we as Americans are setting ourselves up at this point to be the unofficial sponsor of the Triple Entente and to a lesser degree the Central Powers during the First World War. Time period between the First and Second World War was to an extent prosperous for the United States. Until the Great Depression, that is. We as Americans came out of the First World War in economic boom, but drew back heavily on our own military and shifted toward isolation politics abroad. One thing to keep in mind about the United States is our position in the world. Europe, Asia, and Africa are all connected when you look at it from a global view. They are technically one large landmass. The United States is separated by essentially two moats on both sides. We have the advantage of being isolated as much as we want, 
However, post-World War Canada is still a colony of the British, and to this day is technically still a dominion alongside Australia and New Zealand. Though we sided with the British during World War I, the English still struggled to see Americans as a formidable peer, even though we had loaned them $22 billion for World War I. And at the time, British gross domestic product, their GDP, was only $27 billion at the time. This further ties into the economic struggles that sparked the Second World War on an international scope. It ties in with almost Vi the Weimar Republic in Germany, uh, France, the reparations in which uh, Germany had to pay all these countries. It, it, it turns into a complicated mess. But we, again, will get into that on later episodes. So at this point, it's the 1920s slash 30s in America and the world. We're post-World War I. The horrors of the Great War are resonating because nobody wants to go through that shit again. Certain people in influential nations, not necessarily correct, but influential, are starting to rise to power. The U.S. is starting to get a seat at the international table for certain social and political issues, but hasn't really determined long-term allegiances. So we as a country do what we do best and speculate. The powers that come up with war plans all color-coded, specific to the region slash country, and they kind of play a part in that, but will give you an idea to the militaristic paranoia America has at the time. I will now read all of these that we have that are publicly accessible that we know of to date right now. War Plan Black was a plan for a war with Germany. The best known version of Black was conceived as a contingency plan for World War I. War Plan Gray dealt with the invading of the Caribbean Republic. War Plan Brown dealt with an uprising in the Philippines. War Plan Tan was for an intervention in Cuba. War Plan Red, which we'll get into later, was for a war against Great Britain with the subvariant Crimson Plan for Canada. War Plan Orange was for Japan. War Plan Yellow was for a war with China, specifically the defense of Beijing. War Plan Green involved a war with Mexico with, at the time, uh, you know, with General Pershing sending uh, troops down to fight Pancho Villa and his raiders is not too far out of, you know, out, out of mind at this, at this point. Uh, War Plan Indigo involved an occupation of Iceland. War Plan Purple dealt with invading the South American Republic. War Plan Violet covered Latin America, which is probably like Belize, Guatemala, and everything, everything like that. Uh, War Plan White dealt with a domestic uprising in the United States which was kind of connected to the Bonus Army, if everyone is familiar with that. And once again, we'll probably do an episode on that at a later time. The Bonus Army, of course, was World War I veterans who were promised a bonus from the United States government, and they marched on Capitol Hill and essentially set up a camp and were blocked out 
uh, by the federal government. They send federal troops to remove them. It's 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 so complicated. Again, I will do an episode on the bonus army, but go ahead and look into it yourself. Uh, War Plan Gray is invasion of the Azores. War Plan Brown, invasion of Indonesia. War Plan Ruby, invasion of India. War Plan Scarlet, invasion of Australia. War Plan Pink, the invasion of the Soviet Union. War Plan Gold, was an invasion of France and French Caribbean possessions. War Plan Yellow, the invasion of China. War Plan Citron, the invasion of Brazil. War Plan Lemon, the invasion and attack on Portugal. War Plan Olive, the attack and invasion on Spain. War Plan Emerald was an intervention war in Ireland in conjunction with War Plan Red. War Plan Garnet was the potential attack and occupation of US of New Zealand. War Plan Purple, but it is kind of different, but uh, I mean, it may have differentiated from earlier, you know, from what I said earlier, but a uh, occupation of the Soviet Union. And then there is War Plan Silver, which is the potential invasion and attack of Italy. With as many potential adversaries, the United States still held a grudge against the British Empire. This is where War Plan Red comes in. Plan didn't so much call for an attack on Canada, but more an attack on the British on Canadian soil. The plan was to be launched as a multi-pronged attack, while never conceptualized in the sense that troops and mass materials were never moved or put on the ready, we can get an idea as to how the U.S. would have approached the entire attack. Maps of this idea would show troop concentrations towards the Northeast United States. Major ground forces would accumulate around Detroit to attack Toronto, Buffalo, New York to launch against Niagara area, Albany to fight against the Quebec area, and in the most extreme effort, troops would mass in in Boston and launch an amphibious invasion against Halifax. It should be noted at the same time, though, Canada had been formulating their own invasion of the United States, called Defense Scheme No. 1. The Canadians had gone as far as to send spies, led by Lieutenant Colonel Buster Brown, down to the United States to scope different quick raid, quote-unquote, targets such as bridges and roadways to blow them up and then wait for British support. The essential idea was to do a quick burst of military action against major uh, U.S. targets and to hold off U.S. forces until the main United Kingdom could send troops to support Canada. Uh, The main targets on their map was Seattle, Spokane, and Portland, all in the American Northwest. The spies that the Canadians sent were the equivalent rank of a lieutenant colonel, and they stayed fairly close to the border between the U.S. and Canada, only really venturing deep into Vermont. Imagine how much Canadians would stand out in Texas or New Jersey. (laughs) Prohibition at the time was in full swing in the United States, And one of the biggest things that the Canadian soldiers noted 
was how weird it was at how little Americans drank alcohol. I'm not a skeptic anytime I meet a Canadian. If I ever see a Canadian with a high and tight in the United States asking, hey, where's the best place to get a Molson? I'm immediately going to think they're going to spy. This all dissolves, though. This paranoia, War Plan Red, all these different... Um, all these different potential military attacks on all these countries, it dissolves in the late 30s and more specifically in 1941 because the U.S. gets attacked by Japan and so awakens the quote-unquote sleeping giant and launches the United States into World War II. There are many routes I could venture down uh, with this topic, but I'm going to leave it right here. It would be interesting to see how some of these plans, if they would have been launched militarily, how they would have pretty much changed the course of history. But anyways, we'll wrap this one up, and I'm going to steal an ending from one of my favorite shows, The Twilight Zone. So this is submitted for your approval. I'm Brian Hoops, and this is Walking Through Fire. I'll be back with the second episode here soon, and if anyone has any suggestions for a for upcoming episodes please go ahead and email me the email is walking through fire podcast that is walking through fire podcast at gmail.com follow us on instagram it is walking through fire podcast i'm working on getting the facebook page up and uh just go ahead and follow us uh send me your support send me suggestions tell me what you hate about me uh, tell me what you like about uh, this podcast, and I'll go ahead and edit as much as I can. So, thank you for listening, and I will be back soon with the second episode. Thank you.